I'm Justin. I'm Meredith. And joining us today is a very special guest. I'm Sarah from Today in Horror History. Yay! Zed Talk. Zed Talk. Let's get into it. <laughs> Life is chaotic. Full of murder, mayhem, and mystery. This is Dead Talk Podcast. Are you ready? Well, I guess uh, uh, we got a special guest today. Her name is Sarah. What up? And did you create the Facebook page? Yeah. Yep, sure did. Okay, so she is the creator of... Fuck, I don't want to fuck up the name. How about you introduce <laughs> it? Uh, I am the creator of Today in Horror History. Mm-hmm. And it's a blog, and I read through some of your stuff, and it's actually really good, and I like it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I've been following it for a while now, just because I like reading all that stuff. And... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Justin told me about it, and then I was like, oh, I should check, I should look it up to, like, you know, real quick, so I know who she is when she comes on the show. <laughs> I'm not, like, totally <laughs> like, who is this? Who are you? Yeah, no, no, no. So, yay, happy to have you here. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. So, when did you start it, and what made you start it? Uh, I started it back in May of 2016. Um, okay. It started off, I was doing, um, like, creepypastas okay. on, on Instagram. And, like, I got bored of that really, really quick. So I started doing... There's only um, so many good creepypastas out there. There really is. That's <laughs> so and, true. Like, I was trying to write my own because uh, the two-sentence horror stories were really big on Reddit at the time. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to use this for, like, creative writing. They were so, well, some of them were so good. Some of them were good. Some of them, some were, of them were at, like, really dumb, like, little twists, and you're like, oh, oh yeah. all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, like, you can see it a mile away, and it's only two sentences long. Right. So, like, I started, like, um, trying to focus more on history end of things and different ways people died and then i was like well why don't i just do like this happened each day and then that evolved into uh i dropped out of instagram really quick because you could only have so much like text mm-hmm. accompanying it whereas facebook you can type forever so then i just moved over to facebook and been doing it every day since it's really cool especially because you got quite a few followers yeah right now yeah. you have Almost 19,000. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. You should make shirts and stuff. I would totally buy a shirt. (laughs) I've thought about it a couple of times. Um, I'm actually working on an activity book right now. Okay. That's sweet. That's cool. I like that. That's a great idea. It's turning out pretty awesome. Yeah, because we had the idea of, like, starting to bring guests on. I was like, oh, my God, there's this page I follow on Facebook. I wonder if she'll want to do it. (laughs) so when do you think your activity book will be out i'm hoping by february of next year um it uh like i started working on it uh around april it started off as an april fool's day joke and uh, (laughs) oh nice pretty decent feedback on it i just finished up doing uh like where's waldo kind of thing with uh an abominable snowman in with regular snowmen (laughs) that was super super fun I like that. Oh, that's, that's super awesome. neat. Yeah. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, def- I'll definitely buy one for sure. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Gotta support each other out here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. I don't know about you. I just like buying cool stuff. So. I mean, yeah. But, <laughs> I don't know about support. Yeah, when you gotta support, you support like, the smaller people, you know? Especially because it started out as an April Fool's Day joke. That's awesome. Because remember... Right. Wait, did I post that episode? Mm-mm. Well, it was last week the cryptid episode. I haven't posted it yet. <sighs> yeah, okay. so you posted the cryptid episode. Yeah, the cryptid episode. Uh, when I talk about Michigan Dogman, the Michigan Dogman um, originally started out as a uh, April Fool's Day joke type thing. Like oh, a, awesome. a disc jockey made a song about the Michigan Dogman by pulling lore and stuff like that out from uh, Michigan's history. And then all of a sudden, all these people are like, oh my god, I've experienced this too. That's and like, it just kind of became a thing. Wow. So that's going to be awesome. I like it. <laughs> All right. So, like I say every week, I went down a goddamn 
fucking rabbit hole. <laughs> As always. Yeah, it happens. Especially, okay, because you know how we were going to do conspiracies this week, but we're kind of holding off? Yeah, um, yeah. At least we're going to shit together. Uh, <laughs> I <wanted to> talk <laughs> about the lost cosmonauts. Uh-huh. But then I was like, ooh, I wanted to talk about Valiant Thor for so long, I want to talk about him. Uh-huh. So I started talking about, like, typing up all my information about Valiant Thor. And then this other guy pops into the mix about Valiant Thor. And my fucking god, this guy's nuts. And then I, he has, like, his crazy-ass websites and stuff. And I, I, I kind of lost track of what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's how you found the murder for this week? Oh, no, this that was just my night. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is night. Okay, all right, no, all right. No, yeah, last night for the murder, I also, I was, I was originally gonna do the Yorkshire Strangler, because during my streams, there's this group that kind of pops in called uh, Straight Up Yorkshire, mm-hmm. and uh, they kind of just like tr- try to troll and all that shit, and then they, they said that there was, uh, asked them if they knew about any murderers, and they said, yeah, we have, we have the Yorkshire Strangler, and I was like, what the fuck is that? And this dude murdered like 13 people. And as I was typing it out, I got to page three, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so long. I'm going to hold off on this one. Yeah. So, I came up with a different one. I came to, which is actually really cool because it's kind of in the same area, but I am going to tell you guys today about the Acid Bath Killer. Oh, I love him. John Haig? Yep. God damn it. Yes, let's party. (laughs) Let's party. Let's do it. So, John Haig was born on July 24th, 1909, in Stamford, Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire, let's say it's Shire, it's so weird, and grew up, and they, they were yelling at me in my stream, and I said, Yorkshire, they're like, learn how to say it. Oh. <laughs> you know what, how about spell it how you say it, guys? Okay, before, I, oh no, seriously, okay, before I get any farther, I understand they have accents, but they type how they talk. And yeah, I cannot sure. understand half of the shit they are typing to me. Really? I swear to God. Next time uh, they all jump in, I'll message you and let you know. So you can come in and read the comments. Okay, it is okay, insane. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, bash, bash your head in, spare my mom. Like, yes. <laughs> like, I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? I was like, you speak English. <laughs> <laughs> are they asking you, like, uh, oh, God, what, what's the phrase? Uh... What the crack? I think it's something. What what was a slang term that I knew about back in the day? It means like what's up or what's going on. Kind of like what's 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 crack a lacking. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Don't. I don't yeah. We'll go back, back to the story. Okay. Back to the story. Sarah, you're gonna realize very quick we veer off a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've listened to you guys. It's cool. oh, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Cool. So, so you know. <laughs> I heard, you know our shenanigans. All right. So he grew up in a village of Outwood, west of Riding, Yorkshire. And apparently Yorkshire is divided up into three sections. And in those sections, from what I was understanding, there's other smaller cities and towns. And that may be completely wrong, but that's what I understood from it. So he was west, there's three provinces, and he's the west of Riding, Yorkshire. Uh, as a child, he suffered. He supposedly suffered from reoccurring religious nightmares, and we'll learn about that later. <clears throat> as a child, he learned piano and was fond of classical music, which is not necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, or it could be super <laughs> creepy depending on the person. Right, depending on yep. the depending on the child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but mother, I want to play more the Bach at midnight. <laughs> Oh, goodness. He won multiple scholarships, and after school, he was apprenticed to a firm of motor engineers. After a year, he went into insurance and then advertising. At age 21, he was fired for being suspected of stealing from a cash box. He got, like, like, I summed a lot of this up. He got married, the marriage fell apart, he got arrested for fraud. His wife gave birth while he was in jail, she gave up the baby for adoption, and because his wife left him in the Baby was given up for adoption. His family then disowned him. Um, That's rough. Yeah. yeah. He moved to London in 1936. He committed more fraud and was arrested in jail for four more years. He was released at the start of the Second World War 
and then quickly went back to his old ways. He was caught again and sentenced to more jail time. But this time he realized his main mistake. And it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that he was committing fraud over and over and over and over again. It was the fact that he was letting his victims live. Oh. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> he then got intrigued by a French murderer. And I'm going to absolutely butcher this name. Fuck. It's pre- spelled... <laughs> it's, His name's like, fuck? It's spelled Georges. So, George. Alexander Saray, I'm assuming. Sarah, do you know how to pronounce it? I honestly don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was an attempt. <laughs> he, in 1925, he had gotten rid of his victims' bodies uh, by, uh, in, in sulfuric acid. So while in prison, he devised a method of dissolving his victims in acid. He experimented with field mice and found that it only took 30 minutes for the body to dissolve. Ew. He was free... <laughs> He was freed from prison in 1943 and became an accountant with an engineering firm. And he ran into his previous employer, uh, McSwan. And McSwan had, like, a bunch of, like, apartment complexes and all that shit. Or his parents did. He was collecting the rent for him or something. But anyways, he was very envious of his lifestyle. Um, He somehow lured him into a basement, hit him over the head... And then put his body in a 40-gallon drum, tipped concentrated sulfuric acid into it. Oh. And then you know, he returned days later to find nothing but sludge. Ew. Yeah. He then poured it into a manhole. Okay. He then told the McSwan's parents, Donald and Amy, that their son went into hiding in Scotland to avoid military service. He then took over the, the properties and collected rent for the parents. The war was coming to an end, and Donald and Amy were wondering where their son had uh, not returned home. On uh, July 2nd of 1945, he lured Do- uh, Donald and Amy into the same basement under the guise that their son was uh, home for a surprise visit. He then murdered them in the basement with uh, blows to the head and then disposed of them uh, in the same fashion. He sold the properties and moved to Onslow Court Hotel in Kensington. <clears throat> and he started gambling. Okay, and that's that's <laughs> that's always a bad idea. <laughs> especially, if you're sudden... mo- especially, especially if you're moving into a hotel. Yeah, so now like, okay, he's got a taste for murder, mm-hmm. and now we're gonna go do gambling. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is not gonna end well for anybody. Nope. So, two years later, he started to run very low on money in 1947. To solve this issue... He found a couple, Dr. Archibald Henderson and his wife Rose. They were interested in selling their home, and he kind of came buddy-buddy with them. They eventually invited him to a housewarming party to play piano for them. And uh, while he was there, he stole Archibald's revolver and planned to use it in the next part of his crime. He uh, rented another small workshop and set up shop with some barrels and acid. And at this point, he was also staying at... uh, I don't know, Crowley, Crowley's, Crowley's, George Hotel, from time to time. And on, on February 12th, 1948, he told Mr. Henderson that he had an invention he wanted to show him. Oh no! The invention <laughs> is acid! <laughs> it's just acid in buckets! Put your hand in here, see what happens. No! Oh my god. No. Oh my god. Okay, keep, keep going, please. He told me I had an invention to show him. When they got to Crawley's, he shot him in the head with the stolen revolver. That's not an invention. <laughs> That's just getting shot in the head. He then lured Mrs. Henderson to the, to the workshop, claiming her husband had fallen ill. He shot her and disposed of their bodies in the drums of acid, and then forged a letter from, uh, from them and sold all their possessions for 8,000 pounds, which in today's currency is... Two hundred eighty-eight thousand four hundred sixty-eight pounds and sixty-nine oh, oh cents, whatever they say over there, or in American dollars, that's three hundred. No <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's roughly three hundred and fifty thousand seven hundred forty-nine dollars and thirty-seven cents. Okay. He sold everything except for the car and the dog, which he kept. <laughs> so he, he loves animals. I, uh, at least that one. Okay, at least he liked the dog. Uh, his last victim was Olive Durand Deacon, 
who was a 69-year-old wealthy widow who stayed at the same hotel as him. Olive mentioned she had an idea for artificial fingernails. And he, uh, he, at this time, he was claiming he was an engineer, so he invited her to his... Oh, excuse me. Invited her to his workshop on February 18th, 1949, just over a year since his last killing. Mm. He then shot her with that same revolver, stripped her, stripped her of her valuable valuables, including her Persian lamb coat. Which... Is he gonna wear it? Exactly. Like, I understand <laughs> like, like, taking the, the, the rings and stuff, but, like, what's the point in taking the coat? Like, You know, even, even insane... Like serial killers want to feel pretty too sometimes, I guess. <laughs> Puts the lotion on the skin. Yeah, it's like, I look really beautiful today. <laughs> <laughs> so he put her into the acid bath as well. Two days later, she was reported missing, and detectives soon turned their eyes to him because of his extensive record. They searched his. <laughs> they <laughs> searched this been going his on for workshop. how many years now? How many years has this years. been going on? Years. Uh, He's started... probably like, give me a second. This guy seems strange. Like, literally, he started when he was, I believe, like, younger. Around 21, 21 is when he first got fired for stealing from the box. 21. At least, like, what is this? At least 10 years? If not, like, about 15 years wow. in total for everything. Uh, they searched his workshop, and this workshop had no floor drain like the previous one did. So, the way he was disposing of these bodies, he fucking mastermind he is. <laughs> He's like, no, there's no drain! What have I done? He started pouring out the barrels on a rubble pile in the back of the property. Oh! He's just pouring the sludge in his backyard, pretty much. So, yeah, it just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Right. Because he's <laughs> like, oh, they're not, they're not gonna catch me. Yeah. So, yeah. In, in this sludge, investigators found 28 pounds of human fat. Part of a human foot, human gallstones, and part of a denture. The denture actually belonged to Olive. It was later confirmed. <clears throat> he was brought in for questioning and confessed to the murders of Olive, the McSwans, the Hendersons, as well as three other people, but these claims were never verified. He was arrested, and during his trial, he tried to claim insanity, claiming he drank the blood of his victims. And then these are where the dreams came in. It was part of his insanity plea. He cl claimed to have dreams uh, dominated by blood as a young boy. He says because of a car accident in March of 1944, the dreams came back. Uh, and this is quote from him. <laughs> I saw before me a forest of crucifixes, which gradually turned into trees. At first, there appeared to be dew or rain dripping from the branches. Uh, but as I approached, I realized it was blood. The whole forest began to writhe in the trees, dark and erect, to ooze blood. A man went from each tree, catching the blood. When the cup was full, he approached me. Drink, he said, but I was unable to move. That was a, apparently the dreams he was having as a child, according to him. That sounds like, like, dude, did you just, like, kind of fall asleep while looking at a Metallica poster? Because <laughs> that sounds like it should be, like, a metal album cover. I, honestly, awesome. honestly. <laughs> like, it sounds well, sick as, as, I was, as I was typing this. I was like, you know what I should do? I should find, like, a guitar rift and put it, like, behind <laughs> that while I'm reading that off. Yeah, yeah, or some like, Swedish death metal band. And I'm like, okay, all right, buddy. So, they rejected his insanity defense because he acted with malice, a, mm -hmm. a forethought, or premeditation. Mm -hmm. It took only minutes for the jury to find him guilty. He was sentenced to death. Just before his execution, he was asked if he, asked if he wanted a brandy. To which he replied, Making a large one, old boy. His last words were in a letter to his girlfriend, Barbara. It is difficult to say farewell under these circumstances, but you will understand that you will always be in my thoughts. You know, I have been proud of our association. It has always been an honorable one. I shall remember your great kindness and devotion. Now I must leave you. He was led to the gallows on August 10th, 1949, and he was hung until dead. And he will forever be known as the Acid Bath Killer. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Oh, goodness. So did you, uh, was this one of your articles you wrote, Sarah? Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, oh, oh so Sarah's going next? Oh, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, never mind. You're saying that you wrote about John. Yeah. I understand, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been doing it for years. 
when you come up with a new one, damn near every, like pretty much every fucking day, if not yeah, multiple ones a day. So I'm sure you know for sure. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them I've I've covered. I've forgotten a bunch of them over time because I do a new one every single day. So it's just too much killers up in my brain. Yeah, yeah, cause that's quite a lot. I don't know yeah. if I could just sound like that every day. It kind of, like, it, it started off being a little difficult. Now it's so, it became such a habit that it feels weird if I don't. That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah, like you said, you've been doing it since 2016, so it's three years. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you want to go next or you want me to go next? Uh, you go ahead. Okay, all right. So, um, actually, when I was going through your blog, you did do a small article about this back in 2017, but hopefully you don't remember much of it. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to pick something that she hasn't done yet. So whatever. <laughs> okay. So this is the crazy, insane story of Mary Vincent. So uh, this is basically very goddamn Vincent. She's become a folk hero on the internet in the most recent years, even though this horrible thing happened to her back in 1978. Uh, we like to call her the patron saint of badasses or survivors or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera which might be a little bit of a spoiler, but uh, this is just such a nuts story that, yeah, we're, we're just going to get into it. <laughs> so, back to the summer of 1978, a young Mary Vincent, age 15, runs away from home because her dad's mad at her, essentially. Uh, her parents are going through a really messy divorce, and so it seems like, from what I could gather, dad was at least a little bit abusive, or he was just kind of a jerk, and so she's like, well, whatever, I'm gonna, like, run away from home then, because I'm 15, and so she runs away from home to go be <laughs> with her boyfriend in Nevada. Uh, again, she's 15, and all right, you know, we, we, we've done the dumb crap at 15. Well, so, of course, this doesn't work out. It only lasts for, like, a month or two with this other guy, and so it, she basically, it falls apart because it's a 15-year-old 15-year-olds, well, no, 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 actually, wait. That's right, she's 15, but he's a little bit older, so that's creepy. But thank God it doesn't work out. When so, was this? This is 1978. Okay, yeah, so that's around the time where it started being really odd. It was slowly starting to be odd. Yeah, I think he was 30. Okay. Mm. And actually, I found, a, I found an article that said they broke up because she found out that he, like, raped a younger girl. And I'm like, Mary, you're 15. Like, how much younger? Like, how much younger was this poor girl? So basically, she makes a good call by kind of, like, breaking up with him. And she, I think she lives in a car for a little while. And just kind of, like, wanders around Nevada for a little while. But eventually, she becomes lonely and homesick. And she misses her family. And so she calls up her dad at a payphone and says, Hey, I've made a horrible mistake. I miss you guys. Like, I love you. And I just want to get home. And her dad's like, well, I don't have any money for a bus ticket. Like, are you going to be okay? And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, I hitchhiked out here. I'll just hitchhike back. So, again, this is 1978. This is, hitchhiking is pretty much very, very normal. Like, we, you know, mm -hmm. nowadays you don't hitchhike anymore. And we know it's very, very dangerous. But in 1978, it's kind of whimsical and fun. And, oh, you know, you're going to meet a lot of interesting people on the road. So she actually finds a good group of hitchhikers that she's traveling with back to California. But she's not sleeping a whole lot during this time because it's kind of hard to sleep in a car or at bus stations. And on September 29th, 1978, she's very, very late at night and she's been traveling for a long time. And that's when a man in a blue van pulls up to the group of the hitchhikers. And he says, well, I can only take one of you and like, you know, oh, this poor young girl, she looks so tired. Like, sweetheart, do you want me just to take you home? Like, where are you going? Wait, he, was what? this an I Survived episode? It is, but I know. I know this one. I've talked about it before. <laughs> Wait, did you, you didn't already do this murder, have you? Not on the podcast, no. Okay, but on, on On YouTube. Okay, good, because actually I did more research than just the I Survived episode, so I'm hoping that I got some surprises in here. Um, so anyway, so the hitchhiker's are like, dude, his car's empty and he only wants to take you. That's really sketchy. And she's like, I'm just so tired, and I'm tired of being alone, and I miss my family, so I go ahead and I get in the, I get in the van. And so, yeah, that's when... That was a bad plan. That was a bad idea, but that's okay. But anyways, so... She said that he looked like her grandfather, and she wasn't thinking straight, so she decided to trust him. And his name was Lawrence Singleton, and he is bad news bears. So, 
they ripped through the night coast, uh, uh, crossing the Nevada and California border, and not being able to help it, Mary lulls off to sleep for about 15 minutes. And when she wakes up, she realizes that they're going the wrong way. And that's when she starts to get a really, really bad feeling in her stomach, and she's like, oh, fucking shit, okay, all right. And so she says, hey, buddy, um, just so you know, you're going the wrong way, and I know that you know that, so what the hell? And he's like, oh, it was an honest mistake. I was just so tired, too. Oh, wow, it is so late. And this, and apparently, during this time, he's drinking out of a milk carton, but it's full of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what the shit? <laughs> and so Mary looks like, because he pulls over to be like, oh, I'll just turn around then. And she looks down at her shoe, because she's like, okay, I can bolt out of the car now. But she looks down at her shoe, and she's like, fuck, it's untied. And so what she does instead, she says, okay, since you're pulling it over anyways, let me just get out, get out of the car to pee. And he's like, oh, okay. She hops out of the car and is like, oh, I gotta tie this shoe so quickly. Oh, fuck. And as she bends down to tie her shoe, she gets hit in the back of the head with a sledgehammer. And she blacks out. And so when she comes to, that's when the bad things happen. And mm. he like, violently assaults her in the van, just all like, horrible fucked up shit to her all night. And she asks him over and over again, like, why is he doing this? And he doesn't respond to her. And what he does, when he does talk to her is some really creepy shit, like calling him his good little girl and treating him like, treating her like she was one of his children. Uh, also Singleton, spoiler alert, Singleton does have two daughters and they're really afraid of him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he raped those oh, girls. Oh man. Yeah, he's a monster. Uh, so it goes on through the night and he, pa like, so even when he passes out for a little while, she can't get free because she's too, like, you know, she's tightly tied up. So Mary asks God to just kill her now because she's just, it's just been a horrible night. And she begs him over and over again, over again to set her free or just let her go. And the nightmare of the night continues and they are in the middle of nowhere and Mary fears the worse. At daybreak, Lauren Singleton suddenly drags the naked and bleeding Mary out of the van. She staggers to her feet once again and tells him if he just lets her go, she won't tell anyone, she just wants to go home. He lets out a chilling laugh and mocks her words that she said over and over again that night by saying, oh, you want to be set free? Oh, I'll set you free. And so he goes out and pulls out a hatchet from the toolbox and brings it down a swift moment, motion down on her left arm. And she says that she feels like she's starting to fall and she doesn't really get what's going on. And so she grabs his like right, his one of his arms with her right arm, right? Mm -hmm. As if she's trying to like, bring it down to chop off her right arm. And so she grabs it and she's like, I look down at my left arm, I just see the bleeding stump. And so, she, like, adrenaline kicks in and she starts kicking the crap out of him. It just, like, yeah. she, she, um, this dude. Sorry, not to chime in. Good, don't chime in. That's what we're here for. She said that she, uh, once she realized her arm was missing, he was actually, like, in the process of taking her severed arm off of his arm because it was still grasped onto him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh yeah. I wrote that part in, but it's so good. Like, <laughs> well, I'm terrifying. It's terrifying, but I'm like, oh god, that's horrible. Yeah. Um, so she's kicking the crap out of him, and that's when he chops the right arm off. And as she's staggering and like being like, oh fuck, I'm bleeding out. That's when she sees him flick his wrist and like whips oh. the hand off of him, like he's like flicking off a bug. Mm-hmm. And so he then drags her off the side of a ravine and throws her down it and she falls 30 feet and breaks four ribs and she is rapidly bleeding out in the sun as the sun is rising and she doesn't know what to do and she's like really really cold and really really tired and she's like oh god i just i just want this to be over this is horrible all i want to do is sleep but then a small little voice in her head said yeah you can't go to sleep he's gonna do this to somebody else and you will not let that happen and so Mary's like, well, guess I gotta figure out how to get out of this ravine then while I'm bleeding out. And so what she does is that she flips herself over, takes her stumps, digs them into the dirt around her to make mud to slow down the bleeding. And then she spends mm. all day dragging her ass up a ravine with no hands. And it takes all day, like, like literally, like what she was thrown down the ravine at sunrise and it's like the pitch black night when she gets out. So she's staggering down the highway with only like the moon and the stars to light her path. And she's just like listening for cars and listening for cars and listening for cars. And she's naked, has no hands, is covered in dirt and blood. And she's just like staggering in like a haze. Uh, the first car she sees is a convertible like Corvette with two men inside. And they scream and like and run away, like and just peel away from her. And ah! she, 
they freaked the <laughs> fuck out and they just like spat away. And she's like, honestly, I don't blame them. I must have looked like something from a horror movie. And I was like, I think I'd be a little bit upset if I was How shitty do you think those guys feel like once they oh, found out? You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So shitty. I, I hope that what they did is they sped away to go call the police at a stop, like a gas station. But right. you can't. I mean, it was yeah. the 70s. They could have been high as fucking shit. Also, or maybe secret gay. Yeah. <laughs> secret gay. Going out to your rendezvous on the highway with your secret lover, and then some poor girl who's covered in blood with no hands scares you. Uh, but fortunately, in the distance, she hears the stammering of an old pickup truck, and inside it was a young newlywed couple on their honeymoon. They weren't supposed to be there. They simply just got lost. As soon as they saw her, they immediately <laughs> pull over, and the woman gets out and throws her coat around her and puts her in the back seat with her. So, and the man just is like, "Hey, don't worry, we're gonna get you help," and just like slams on the gas, and they peel out of there. And they go to the, you know, basically go so they, they're going so so fast, and this car is going as fast as it can go. And in the back, like the the nice lady is like, you know, kind of like cradling Mary and trying to get her to talk to her, but Mary can only say over and over again he raped me. And she's like, sweetie, he's going to be okay. What's your name? He raped me. And she's like, okay. So, uh, they were originally able to get to a payphone in time and they, she got basically gets life flighted out. I don't know if that's what they called it back then, but a helicopter comes and picks her up. Uh, she lost half the blood in her body and the rest of it was toxic. But Jesus was, Christ. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, no, she, she bled out. Like she's been bleeding out for an entire yeah. day. She, yeah. She should not alive half the blood in her body the rest of the blood in her body was actually technically toxic yeah because of the i'm assuming because of the mud uh yeah i think so yeah that makes sense yeah but for some reason it was like okay all right her body was like i'm gonna make do with this so she is a trooper like holy shit so she is i know dude and like her story gets i don't know man like her life has gotten she's had a very difficult life and i hope that She's kind of happy now. But um, anyway, so the authorities basically arrest Singleton. And even though she is terrified of this guy, she goes to testify. Uh, he's convicted of rape and attempted murder. And he's sentenced to 14 years, which is the max for California for these crimes. When everything is said and done, she has to leave the courtroom and passes by him only inches away. And that's when he says to her the famous and disgusting quote of, if it's the last thing I'll, I do, I will finish the job. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but he's only sentenced to 14 years, but mm-hmm. you guys are going to be pissed. I, for- I forgot about this. Guess how many years he spent. Wasn't it seven? No, nah, you're close, though. It's, it's eight. eight. He got out early. <laughs> oh, and I just found this out for recent years. He gets released from prison on the day of her wedding. Oh. She finds out at her wedding to her first husband that he's been let out of jail. And I'm like, oh, damn it, Mary, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, that, just like, ruins, that just ruins your whole wedding day. Yeah, apparently that guy was a total piece of shit, though, the one that she was marrying, and he was, like, kind of a pussy, but, like, so it didn't work <laughs> he's like, out. He's out? We gotta get the fuck out of here! Oh, yeah, apparently she was saying, <laughs> she was like, her, her, like, she, they had just gotten married, and they're at the reception. That's one of her friends said, "Hey, you know that guy, like that crazy dude who like almost killed you, is out of jail." And she's like, "What the fuck?" And she has like PTSD and is like freaking out clearly. And her husband's more concerned about what Singleton will do to him than yeah. about her. And she was like, "I think I made a mistake marrying this guy. <laughs> like, like what the shit? Oh no, this may not work out." Uh, they they divorced a couple years after that. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is a bummer, but when he did make parole, the like population of California was so outraged. Uh, they many cities passed ordinances saying that uh, Singleton couldn't live there. So people made like laws <laughs> to be like, "No, this dude, he can't live here. He's not allowed to live here. He has to go somewhere else." And it became so bad that uh, when he was on his year of parole. The jailhouse had to like get a trailer to just kind of like have him live on the jailhouse, like you know sort of grounds. This is the only place that he could live technically and legally since there's all these ordinances popping up now being like, no, this guy can't hang here. He's going to fuck up the party. So anyways, so he, after his year of probation's over, he's like, later days, I'm going to go to Florida to start a new life. And when he does this, Donald Stahl, the county prosecutor at Singleton's trial says, you know, I think if anything, he's worse now. 
like he has not taken responsibility. He lives in a bizarre fantasy land and acquits himself every day. He does not accept his guilt and he will and he won't resolve to never do it again. And unfortunately, the prosecutor was absolutely right, because seven years after his move to Florida, he would murder Roxanne Hayes by stabbing her multiple times in the upper body. She was the mom of three. I wish I could get more into this, but I won't because, uh, honestly, this is pretty long already. And also, I think Roxanne deserves her own episode. So Mary gets wind of this, and the prosecutors in Florida hit her up. So she goes out to Tampa at the age of 34 to testify against this guy again. And here's actually kind of a bummer. What happened was that when she was being sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When basically they were getting her approval to be a witness in this trial, uh, the defense team said, well, she can't wear her prosthetic arms because that will sway the jury's, uh, the, the decision of the jury. And so her, the prosecution's like, well, that's ridiculous. We're not making her take her arms off for this. That's yeah. Weird. And so the defense was like, well, okay, then she, but she has to have to keep them underneath the witness stand then. She can't, like, show them. And so they make all the jury go, leave the room when Mary gets brought in and put on the witness stand. And she has to swear in before, like, you know, the jury has to come back in. So she has to do all that shit and be like, okay, I guess I have to hide my hand, my arms underneath this thing now. And so the jury gets brought back in, she does her testimony, and then, I think this is kind of shady, the defense team asks her, hey, how about, can you point to the man who did this to you? And she's like, I shouldn't use my arm. So she lifts her, her hook up, like, again, like, it had to be such a dramatic moment, because then the jury saw her arms, and she just, like, pulls her hook, at one of her hooks out, and, like, points it at him, and then puts it back down. And that's how the defense tried to get a mistrial for him during this uh, this whole entire court case. They were trying to get a mistrial. They were trying to get a mistrial. Uh, it, no. did, it did not work, thank God. And I found through because that is such that is bullshit. Oh, I know. I was yep. so heated. Oh my god, I was so mad. I was like, no, you do not treat my Mary that way. How dare you? <laughs> like, I love her. She's she's amazing. Um, yeah. So, anyways, but. Yeah, so it didn't work. Unfortunately, you know, this, I guess the sentence kind of stuck because he was sentenced to death in 1998. Now, unfortunately, he would never make it to the execution chamber because he would die of stomach cancer in 2001. My only wish is that he died in excruciating pain, alone and very afraid. And so my mantra has been for a very long time now is that, hey, if Mary Vincent could get through September 29th, 1978, I think I can do this. And that's the story of Mary Vincent. Oh, she's she actually, so awesome. Oh, she's so cool. I love her. I know she'll probably never listen to this, but she's so amazing. I did find her Pinterest, but I won't tell you the username, so I want to respect her privacy. She's into baking now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And she actually has two very lovely boys. Don't know their names because I thought that was weird to look those up. But she's wonderful <laughs> boys. Uh, she actually is a very accomplished artist in her small community out in Washington. Uh, yes, she can draw with her badass hooks. It's just like, I think in like one of her interviews, she's like, oh, this is funny. I've always been really good with my hands. And like, she's like using her hooks. For yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know, man. I've always wanted to start like a GoFundMe campaign to be like, let's get Mary Vincent some cyborg arms. Can we do this, guys? <laughs> We're stopping her. She's like the Terminator. So, well, I mean, maybe she like she's used to using what she has now, you know? So, I, I do, but you know. It would be cool to be like, "Hey, girl, you want some? You want some? You want some fancy ones? You don't have to wear them all the time, right?" <laughs> and I got them. I got them painted so they look like Iron Man. Oh gosh, oh, that'd be dope. So fierce. <laughs> like they read your mind, and that's how you can move them. I don't know if they have those yet, but I hope they do. Someday. It's really the the technology they got now is insane. Like they can like you can use them to like grab things and like actually like I don't know like. I keep seeing these videos like these little kids getting their prosthetic arms and like they can actually use them to like hold things and draw and drink and all this other stuff and it's really cool. Yeah, That'd be amazing. It's so cool. makes me so happy. Oh fuck! I forgot to tell you about the update. The What's man the update? In the, the man with the bones in the yard. Yeah, what's the update? Court yeah. documents show Douglas Hill confessed to shooting his then girlfriend Danielle Steiner and her five-year-old son Aubrey Hall. Yeah, oh three, my god, yeah. they were dating. <laughs> Hill sucks. was in court Friday morning for a hearing. He is facing two counts of open murder. How? Wait, open how the fuck did they not look into him if they were dating? Uh, mm. I'm, not, I'm not the Lansing Lancy, police. I don't Lancy, know. Lancy, please get your shit together. 
For one, they go missing. Uh, they turn up in the same goddamn street where they live. I'm assuming they live together if it's his girlfriend. Or they lived on the uh, maybe they live on the same street. I don't know. But you didn't look into them? You didn't they they, the they might have. In their defense, they might have. What about the dogs? Why didn't they bring out any dogs? I don't know. <sighs> it's the Lansing police. I'm not sure. Well, they're all busy over there on Baker Street all the time. Is that a bar? <laughs> uh, that's the ghetto street in Lansing. It's appeared on the episode of Cops twice now. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> I mean, also, it's good to have a little bit of local celebrity. Uh-huh. Come visit the famous Baker Street. You right. might get stabbed. Right. <laughs> he was facing two <laughs> counts of open murder and two weapon charges. Steiner and Hall lived next to Douglas Hill. Okay, so like, before moving in with him a couple of months in 2018. Ah, they lived together. They lived together. <laughs> <laughs> Court documents say that's when tensions began to rise. It was kind of rocky, said Darlene Niklasovich, a neighbor. That's a name. News 10 talked to two neighbors on Low Street in July after Steiner and Hall's bodies were found and when Hill was arrested. I just hope the family is able to get their peace of mind. I know that it's got to be hard for them, said Art Phillips, a resident on Low. The court documents obtained by us show that Hill and Steiner were in an intimate relationship. They got into an argument on Father's Day of 2018, and Steiner left and took Hall with her. All of a sudden, we didn't see her, said the neighbor. I thought, that's strange. My husband asked the boyfriend, where's Danielle? And Hill said, oh, she went away. But that was it. He didn't go into it. Mm. Almost one year later, detectives met with Hill while he was at the Monroe County Jail on unrelated charges. They say Hill confessed to choking the five-year-old before shooting him mm. and his mother to death. The documents show Hill then buried the bodies in his backyard on Low Street. Douglas Hill is due back in court for his preliminary exam on September 20th. That's when the judge will decide if there's enough evidence to put him on trial. Well, if he can... There's enough evidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> they were living together, and then they went missing. Life is fun sometimes like that, right? <sighs> I mean, at least... Zany. I mean, it was only a year later when they finally... When they caught... When they got him, but still. Yeah. Would they have ever weird. gotten him if those bones hadn't popped up? I don't know, man. That's weird. <sighs> um, this whole story just frustrates me. Alright, Sarah. Would you like to All go? Right. Sure. So, uh, my guy is a serial killer slash rapist from France. Um, his name is Marton Dumoulard, and I hope I'm getting any of these French names right. I, I'm not great with French. You just gotta go Marton Dumoulard, and it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, it's, to, it's I have to hold my hand in just a, a certain European way to kind of channeled that accent right exactly and she smoked <laughs> cigarettes <laughs> uh so he was in Lyon, france uh he was known as the maid killer um and he was accused of 15 assaults or attempted assaults some of those resulted in murder uh from 1855 to 1861 uh, he would go up to young women uh, and say, hey, do you need a job? Or I notice you're traveling. My house is nearby. Would you like to spend the night? Like, little young women shouldn't be out alone. There's creepy people out here. And uh, he, you know, obviously was the creepy person. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's always the creepy person. Like, oh, no, no, you got it. I'm a nice guy. It's all right. You can I'm a nice me. guy. I'm not, I'm why not don't you, crazy. Why don't you, like, come hang out with me, you whore? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So some of them are like, no, he's creepy. Like, no, you're a creep, dude. And he's like, fine. Clearly, you're a lesbian. And then, like, runs off and then goes chain smoke cigarettes in the 1800 France. <laughs> the original incel. <laughs> I'm sorry, please continue. <laughs> so, um, the, the women were, um, some of them were strangled, some of them were bludgeoned. One of them was, uh, bludgeoned, then raped, then buried alive. Oh, God. Um, yeah. God damn. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that just but, went from, like, oh, I'm sorry, go on, go on. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> no, I was like, that's just, like, it went from, like, okay, strangulation, oh, and then he buried a lady alive, like, 
Yeah. Oh, no. Like, I just, that that one always gets me. Oh, it's terrifying. It really is. Yeah. Um, so some of the, there's probably more um, potential victims that obviously became distrustful of him and and fled. So the exact number of people that he targeted isn't exactly known. Um, the first known victim um, was from 1855. Her name was uh, Marie Bidet. And there's a photo online of her body that was found after she was strangled and stripped naked and thrown out into the woods. Um, oh, no. Yeah, it's pretty sad. And it's, it's kind of... Um, photographs of like uh crime scene victims weren't terribly common back then so it's a um it's a pretty unique photo just that it exists right yeah that is really interesting because uh that was when photography was like actually becoming a thing so yeah it's neat it's really really cool i mean it's super sad obviously but well yeah but it's an interesting piece of history i suppose yeah for sure yeah mm-hmm. Um, so his end came in uh, 1861, whenever he approached a lady named Marie Pichon, who um, she was walking, carrying various items, uh, including apparently an umbrella and a bread box. So just some really random things. Yeah. He, yeah. Like, like, what are you moving houses like? Two pieces of furniture at a time. Or... <laughs> I mean, maybe he's like I couldn't. Well, I These can't. are the most important things I have. <laughs> it's eighteen hundred France. Like maybe that is a thing. Maybe, it's, maybe everyone's wandering around with umbrellas and bread boxes. It's entirely possible. You got to keep your baguettes all fresh. Yeah, they love baguettes. <laughs> I love baguettes. I'm not even I mean, lying. Shit, dude. They love bread. I love bread. <laughs> same. Mm-hmm. Hard so same. Bad. So he approaches. Uh, Marie and says like hey uh, would you like to come to uh, I can't remember if he told her that he was going to offer her work or a room for the night I believe it was the room for the night they're walking for a while and he's like oh hey let's take this shortcut randomly through the woods no yeah generally a bad idea now but I know it's 1800 France yeah like people are more trusting they are so this whole time uh, Dumoulard is carrying a, a box and he says, I'm going to put this down because it's too heavy and I'll just come back tomorrow in the morning for it. And Marie's like, um, this is a little weird, but okay, whatever. Um, and as they're walking more, she notices he's stopping every so often to pick up a heavy stick or rock, and then changes his mind and grabs something else. Oh, God. And oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. No, not that one. She's <laughs> like, I don't know about this dude. This is a little kind of weird. Um, and they get up to a hill, and Dumoulard says, you go first. And Marie's like, no, I'm cool. You go ahead and go first. Like, she doesn't know if he's going to try to, like, maybe look up her dress or like knock her in the back of the head with one of the things that he had been grabbing. Yeah. 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 That's, I think you get a little suspicious after that walk. Yeah. Like the whole thing <laughs> is just one suspicious thing after another. Yeah. Um, what so... you doing there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Taking up oh, rocks. A rock collector. Like, uh, huh. Oh, I already man. have these rocks at home. <laughs> Well, I come see them. <laughs> no, don't go see them, Mary. <laughs> so when he refuses to go up the the hill first, she notices that he puts his hand into his shirt like he's going to pull out a weapon. Mm. So, um, and this is the the politest exchange between a would be murderer and victim. Marie says. I see you have deceived me. I will go no further. Oh, and nice. He tells her, we have arrived at our destination. Oh, God. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's menacing, but also really polite. So, then Dumoulard pulls out a slip, uh, uh, a slip cord with a knot in it and tries to put it over Marie's head. And 
just instinctively, she drops her bread box on her umbrella and she puts her arms above her head. I forgot and... she had those. I was like, right? does, she, does she pop them with the bread box? No. Oh, man, no. that's opportunity. Right? Yeah. So she puts up her hands and just her quick reflexes um, keeps the news from going around her. her Hell neck. yeah. So she's able to um, kind of, there's like a really minor scuffle. She's able to get away to um, the cottage of a uh, Mr. Jolie. And she's like, I can't really tell you much about this guy. I'm not from the area. I don't know him. But he has a swollen, scarred lip. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, so he looks so really spooky. He, uh, apparently, like, after she recounts this, people start thinking, like, wait a minute. We heard about other women who were attacked in the woods by a guy that says that he's offering lodging or work. And he had a scar and a swollen lip, too. Maybe this is the same guy. Oh, like, yeah. I'd say so. For six years. <laughs> they're like, wait a minute. And they're mm. like, oh, we know somebody that has a lip like that. So they go <laughs> to this guy. Like, they find him pretty easily based off of that one little bit of detail. And in his house, they find clothing and trunks and laces and garters. All sorts of stuff um, that he had apparently been giving to his wife. And she's been selling them or keeping them or what have you. Not like the garters weren't all the same size, so she wasn't wearing those. Yeah, well, Some okay, but stuff... as that wife, how do you not get a little suspicious? Oh, she knew. She oh. 100% knew. Oh, oh, she knew? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She had to have. She had to have known. Like, some of the clothing was bloodstained. So there's just... <laughs> like, She's like, oh, I don't think I want to wear that one. Right? Like, Sweetheart, did you, did you get this at the flea market again? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the wrong sizes. Some of these I mean, blood. Some of I think it's real sweet that you think that, like, I'm a lot skinnier than I am. But um, <laughs> I can't wear this. <laughs> I, I told you time and time again. <laughs> And, like, some of the, in, in with the belongings was some of Pichon's things. So, apparently, she was carrying more than just an umbrella and a bread box. Mm-hmm. Or he stole those. It doesn't really say. Yeah, who knows. So, he was arrested. Um, he was accused of six murders and rapes. And uh, nine rapes and attempted murders. Uh, he was sentenced to, the, uh, sentenced to death by the guillotine. And nice! Yeah, so in uh, May of 1861 is when he got arrested, and March 8th, 1862 is when he was executed. Um, he made no confession to anyone, which was a big thing back then. It was, if you confessed as a condemned person to a priest right before you died, then you had the potential of salvation, or at least that's what they told people so they could get closure. Yeah, were they, was France still predominantly Catholic back in this time? I believe so. Oh, yeah, no, that's a thing in Catholicism, it's called last oh, yeah. rites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the priest, like, like, throws holy water in her face and says, I don't know, man, that's cool, <laughs> but the big man might sort it out for you, but thanks for, thanks for sharing. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Which, like, personally, if it gets, you know, closure for people, more power to him. But yeah. He didn't confess. Uh, his last words were, I pay for others, um, suggesting that other people had killed or raped these women, uh, even though he had all of their stuff. Um, and then his severed head was sent to the medical school of Lyon. And his wife also got uh, 20 years in prison. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. She knew. She knew. <laughs> she knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also, there's later allegations that uh, Dumoulard and his wife were uh, involved in necrophilia, vampirism, and cannibalism, but uh. those are probably just sensational things that were attacked on after the fact to make a guy that goes around killing a bunch of women seem more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know, right? Isn't that weird? Right? Like, oh, it's so not enough that he's a serial killer. You gotta throw in that he, like, drinks their blood and stuff, too. Yeah, it's like, where's the paranormal thrill, though? <laughs> we need to make this more exciting. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Like, oh, God. Yep. So that Gosh. is the fate of Marton Dumoulard. God. I'm sorry, any French-speaking people. <laughs> oh, man. Don't worry, they don't listen to us. <laughs> I doubt it. What if we're actually really wildly popular in France and we just don't know it? We just don't know it. We just don't know. <laughs> like, that's, that could be crazy. Well, I come to France, we're like, oh, we don't even know you listen. No, hey, guys, what's up? We don't even speak your language. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. All right. Well, we got a, we got an announcement Ooh. as a as a podcast that Megan is no longer with us. Oh. She uh, got a job as a teacher, and <laughs> obviously, some things she says online could be bad. Yeah, for sure. But so yeah, for her. she's taking the safe route and just dropping out. Yeah, but no, we're really excited for her. She's really yeah, excited. Yeah, no, she showed us she showed us her classroom, and it's really it's it's cool. Aww, like she's she's yeah, like we're 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 happy for her, and we're gonna hopefully keep in touch. She better keep in touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, we're trying to find exciting uh, aliases for her if she ever does want to come in and do like guest round. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought what we could do is we could just uh, get her those goofy glasses with like the fake mustache on it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. It's a good idea. <laughs> a solid idea. Even though it's an audio podcast, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, like, just so you can imagine it. Right. In your mind. All right. So, I got, uh, I got to do the housekeeping. Oh, there, there's the uh, tornado alarm. For, uh, yeah. The, oh, she got a blow. The testing for the first, of the, the, the first Saturday of the year or the month. Is that a thing where you guys are? Mm, there's not really any tornadoes where I'm at. Oh, yeah, well, there's usually not that many tornadoes, but that was a thing when I was living in Houston. Yeah, like uh, one o'clock at the first Saturday of every oh, month. It was so it annoying. Was... Well, my dog used to howl at it, and it was cute, but she doesn't anymore. Yeah, okay. she got bored of it. Right. So, housekeeping. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dead Talk Pod. You can find us on our Facebook group. Uh, Dead Talk Podcast, where we post stupid shit. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank Crackalack Beats for the use... Oh, <laughs> she heard it. There you go. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Take you're, not, you're not a tornado, puppy. You're just a dog. Alright. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank Crackalack Beats for the use of our intro and outro. Uh, come hang out with me on my streams, Unreal Scopes. And Sarah, would you like to plug your Facebook page? Sure. It's uh, facebook.com slash todayinhorrorhistory. And she posts daily little articles you can read to get your fill of true crime. And I've been, honestly, like, I like your page. I've been following your page for a while now. Thank you. And if you ever want to come back on the show, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be great. Yay, we'd be happy to have you. All right. And now we're going to end it with our... uh, Happy article. I found two happy articles. Just pick one because this is our run long, dude. Just pick your favorite. Okay, well, do you want to know about saving the earth or saving horses? Horses. Horses. <laughs> horses are dope. <laughs> All right. This was posted on July 29th. The Martin family's home was struck by lightning in the middle of the night. It shook the whole house, Shannon Martin told the local news station. One minute I am in bed, the next minute I am standing up to the bed, next to the bed trying to figure out what happened. Soon after, after, a fire quickly engulfed their horse barn. To make matters worse, the door barns were locked. That's when 16-year-old Mackin rushed into action. I just ran right out. I had no clothes on, no shoes, no nothing, Mackin said. I just jumped into our gator and I just ran it right into the door. I'm assuming a gator is some uh, farm equipment. <laughs> um, I think so. Quote, he busted through like Rambo and opened up the end of the <laughs> stalls and said, Mom, this way, Shannon recalled, and we were able to push the horses out that way. All 14 horses made it out unharmed, but the barn was a total loss. That's so not, Yeah, so not for his actions, those horses would have died, for sure. That is so cool. And the horses are fine. You can rebuild mm-hmm. a barn. That's okay. It was just a, it was a, yeah, sixteen-year-old kid, yeah, that ran in to save all the horses. Oh, it's awesome! So that's our feel-good story of the week. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> all right, we will talk to you guys later.
Oh. Yay. Bye. Okay, bye.